Hello and welcome to the Bible Podcast. On this show, we read through the Bible in one year, just a few chapters each day. Today is April 14th and we're working through 2 Samuel. Today we'll read chapters 15 through 17. Let's get started. Chapter 15. Sometime later, Absalom got himself a chariot with horses and 50 men as bodyguards to run ahead of him. He used to get up early and stand by the main road that led to the city gate. When people brought a case to the king for his decision, Absalom would call out and ask them, What town are you from? If they replied, Your servant is from this particular tribe of Israel. Absalom would tell them, Look, you're in the right and you've got a good case. It's such a shame there's no one from the king to hear you. Then he would say, If only there was someone to appoint me as judge for the country, then everyone could come to me with their case or complaint, and I would give them justice. When anyone came to bow down before him, Absalom would stop them by reaching out his hand, taking hold of him, and kissing him. This is how Absalom treated all the Israelites who came to the king for his judgment. So he captured the loyalty of the men of Israel. Four years later, Absalom asked the king, Please let me go to Hebron to fulfill the promise I made to the Lord. For I, your servant, made this promise while living in Geshur at Aram, saying, If the Lord does bring me back to Jerusalem, I will worship the Lord in Hebron. Go in peace, said the king. So Absalom went to Hebron. Then Absalom sent his accomplices among all the tribes of Israel, saying, When you hear the sound of the ram's horn, you shout, Absalom is king at Hebron. Two hundred men from Jerusalem went with Absalom. They had been invited and went in all innocence because they didn't know anything about what was planned. While Absalom was offering sacrifices, he sent for Ahithophel, the Gilanite, David's advisor, asking him to come from Gilo, the town where he lived. The conspiracy grew stronger and Absalom's followers went on increasing. A messenger came to tell David, Absalom has the loyalty of the men of Israel. David said to all the officials with him in Jerusalem, Quick, let's go. Otherwise, we won't be able to get away from Absalom. We must leave immediately or he will soon catch up with us, attack us, and kill the people here in the city. Whatever your majesty decides, we'll do what you want, the king's servants replied. The king set off with his whole household following him, but he left behind ten concubines to look after the palace. The king left with all his soldiers following him. He stopped at the last house, and all his men marched past him, including all the Cherethites and Pelethites, and six hundred Gittites who had come with him from Gath. The king said to Atai the Gittite, Why are you coming with us too? Go back and stay with the new king, because you are a foreigner and an exile a long way from home. You only just got here, so why should I make you wander around with us now when you don't even know where I'm going. Go back and take your men with you. May the Lord show you kindness and faithfulness. But Atai answered the king, As the Lord lives and as your majesty lives, wherever your majesty may be, whether dead or alive, that's where your servant will be. Go ahead, march on, David replied. Atai the Gittite marched past with all his men and all the families that were with him. All the people in the countryside were crying aloud as everyone with David passed by. They crossed the Kidron Valley with the king on the way toward the wilderness. Zadok was there too, and all the Levites were with him, carrying the Ark of God's Agreement. 
They set down the Ark of God, and Abiathar offered sacrifices until everyone had left the city. Then the king told Zadok, Take the Ark of God back to the city. If I find the Lord approves of me, he will bring me back and let me see both the Ark and his tent again. But if he says, I'm not happy with you, then here I stand. Let him do to me whatever he thinks is best. The king also told Zadok the priest, You understand the situation, don't you? Go back to the city safely with your son Ahimaaz and also Jonathan, son of Abiathar. You and Abiathar take both of your sons back with you. All wait at the fords of the wilderness until I hear from you. Zadok and Abiathar took the ark of God back to Jerusalem and remained there. David went on his way up the Mount of Olives, weeping as he did so. He had his head covered and walked barefoot. All the people with him covered their heads, weeping as they went along. David was told, Ahithophel is one of the people conspiring with Absalom. So David prayed, Lord, please make Ahithophel's advice worthless. When David arrived at the top of the Mount of Olives, where people worshipped God, there to meet him was Hushai the archite, with his robe torn and with dust on his head. But David told him, If you go with me, you will only be a burden. Return to Jerusalem and tell Absalom, I will now be your advisor, O king, just as I was your father's advisor in the past. Then you can frustrate and counter Ahithophel's advice. Zadok and Abiathar, the priests, will be there. Tell them about the plans being made in the king's palace, and they will send their sons Ahimaaz and Jonathan to tell me, what is going on? So David's friend Hushai returned to Jerusalem, getting there just as Absalom arrived. Chapter 16 After David had gone a little way past the top of the mountain, there was Ziba, Mephibosheth's servant, waiting to meet him. He had two donkeys already saddled with him, carrying two hundred loaves of bread, a hundred raisin cakes, a hundred summer fruits, and a skin of wine. What did you bring these for? David asked Ziba. Ziba replied, The donkeys are for the king's family to ride on. The bread and summer fruit are for the men to eat, and the wine is for those to drink who get worn out in the wilderness. Where is your master's grandson? the king asked. Ziba answered, He decided to stay in Jerusalem. He's saying, Today the people of Israel will give me back my grandfather's kingdom. The king then told Ziba, I give you everything that belongs to Mephibosheth. I bow before you, Ziba replied. May you approve of me, your majesty. As King David arrived at the town of Bahiram, a man from Saul's family was just leaving. His name was Shimei, son of Gera, and he was shouting out curses as he came. He threw stones at David and all the king's officers, even though the king's men and all his bodyguards surrounded David. Get out of here! Just get out, you murderer, you wicked man! Shimei said as he cursed. The Lord has paid you back for all of Saul's family that you killed and for stealing Saul's throne. The Lord has given the kingdom to your son, Absalom. Look how you've ended up in disaster because you're a murderer. Abishai, son of Zariah, asked the king, Why should this dead dog curse your majesty? Let me go and cut off his head. What's that got to do with you, you sons of Zariah? The king replied, If he's cursing me because the Lord told him to, then who can question what he's doing? David said to Abishai and all his officers, Look, if my very own son is trying to kill me, why shouldn't this Benjamite want to even more? Leave him alone, let him curse me, for the Lord told him to. 
Perhaps the Lord will see how I'm suffering and will pay me back with good for his curses today. David and his men continued down the road, with Shimei keeping up with them on the hillside opposite. He went on cursing as he went along, throwing stones and dirt at David. The king and everyone with him were tired out when they arrived at the Jordan. David rested there. In the meantime, Absalom and all the Israelites with him arrived in Jerusalem along with Ahithophel. Hushai the archite, David's friend, went to see Absalom and declared, Long live the king! Long live the king! Is this how you show your loyalty to your friend? Absalom asked. Why didn't you leave with your friend? Certainly not, Hushai replied. I'm on the side of the one chosen by the Lord, by the army, and by all the people of Israel. I will remain loyal to him. In any case, why shouldn't I serve his son? In the same way I served your father, I will serve you. Then Absalom asked Ahithophel, Give me your advice. What shall we do? Ahithophel told him, Go and sleep with your father's concubines, the ones he left here to look after the palace. Then everyone in Israel will realize that you have so offended your father there is no turning back, which will encourage all your supporters. So they put up a tent on the palace roof, and Absalom went in and had relations with his father's concubines in the full view of everyone. At that time, Ahithophel's advice was like receiving messages from God himself. This was how both David and Absalom viewed Ahithophel's advice. Chapter 17 Ahithophel said to Absalom, Let me choose twelve thousand men and set off in pursuit of David tonight. I'll attack him while he is tired and weak. I'll catch him by surprise and all his men will run away. I'll only kill the king and bring everybody else back to you. When everybody returns apart from the one man you're after, the whole country will be at peace. This plan looked good to Absalom and to all the elders of Israel. But then Absalom said, Call in Hushai the archite too, and let's hear what he's got to say as well. When Hushai came in, Absalom asked him, Ahithophel has recommended this plan. Should we go ahead with it? And if not, what's your suggestion? For once, Ahithophel's advice isn't good, Hushai replied. You know what your father and his men are like. They're great fighters, and now they're as furious as a mama bear robbed of her cubs. In any case, your father is experienced in military tactics, and he won't spend the night with his men. Right now, he's holed up in a cave or someplace like that. If he attacks first and some of your men are killed, people who hear about it will say, Absalom's men are being slaughtered. Then even the bravest soldier who has the heart of a lion will be scared to death because everyone in Israel knows that your father is a powerful man who has brave men with him. My recommendation is that you call up the entire Israelite army from Dan to Beersheba, an army as numerous as the sand on the seashore. Once they've assembled, then you yourself lead them into battle. Then we'll attack David wherever he is and we'll fall on him as dew falls on the ground. Neither he nor a single one of all the men with him will be left alive. If he tries to find protection in a town, all of Israel will bring ropes to that town and we will pull it down to the valley so that not even a stone will be left. Absalom and all the Israelite leaders said, Hushai the archite's advice is better than Ahithophel's, for the Lord had decided to block Ahithophel's good advice in order that he might bring disaster on Absalom. Hushai spoke to Zadok and Abiathar, the priests, and told them, Ahithophel has advised Absalom and the Israelite leaders to act in one way, but I have advised them to act in this different way, 
So send a message quickly to David and tell him, Don't wait and spend the night at the fords of the wilderness, but cross over immediately, or the king and everybody with him will be destroyed. Jonathan and Ahimaaz were staying at Enrogel because they couldn't be seen entering the city. A servant girl would come and tell them what was happening. Then they would go and let King David know. But a boy did see them, and he told Absalom. So the two left immediately and went to the house of a man in the town of Baharim. He had a well in his courtyard, and they climbed into it. His wife took a cloth to cover the well and spread it out over the opening and then scattered grain over it. No one knew the men were there. When Absalom's officers arrived, they asked the woman, Where are Ahimaaz and Jonathan? They crossed over the stream, she replied. The men searched for them, but didn't find them, so they went back to Jerusalem. After Absalom's officers left, the two men climbed out of the well and rushed off to give the king their message. Have everybody get up and cross the river right away, for Ahithophel's advice is to attack you immediately. David and everybody with him got up and crossed the Jordan. By the time it got light, there wasn't anybody who hadn't crossed over. When Ahithophel realized that his advice had been ignored, he saddled up his donkey and left for his home in the town where he lived. He put his affairs in order and then he hanged himself. He died and was buried in his father's tomb. David went on to Mahanaim and Absalom crossed over the Jordan with the entire Israelite army. Absalom had put Amasa in charge of the army to replace Joab. Amasa was the son of a man named Ethra, the Ishmaelite, who lived with Abigail, the daughter of Nahash and sister of Zariah, Joab's mother. The Israelites under Absalom set up camp in the land of Gilead. When David arrived at Mahanaim, he was welcomed by Shobi, son of Nahash, from Rabbah of the Ammonites, Machir, son of Amiel from Lodabar, and Barzillai, the Gileadite from Rogelim. They brought bedding, bowls, and clay jars, as well as wheat, barley flour, roasted grain, beans, lentils, honey, curds, sheep, and cheese made from cow's milk for David and the people with him to eat. For they said, The people are hungry, tired, and thirsty from their time in the wilderness. Looking back in recent history on this day, John Wilkes Booth assassinated President Abraham Lincoln this day in 1865 because he believed Lincoln had betrayed America in standing against slavery and the South. Booth entered Lincoln's private box at Washington's Ford Theater a few minutes after 10 p.m. and shot the president through the head. Booth then leaped to the stage below, shouting in Latin, thus always to tyrants. Booth broke his leg in the fall but escaped through a back door. He was hunted down and shot a few days later in Virginia. Betrayal, or even the perception of it, always raises great emotion, often leading to disastrous events. David was betrayed by Absalom, his own son. Absalom fomented revolution and drove his father from Jerusalem. The rebel son also sexually assaulted David's concubines as the ultimate insult to his father. At first, it appeared that those aiding Absalom would succeed in unseating David and taking the kingdom for themselves. David's previous shameful behavior with Bathsheba had eroded his base of support. In addition, there were always willing enemies lurking nearby. In that tense time, real friends stood by David while others joined Absalom. Through it all, David rested his future with the Lord 
it proved to be a wise choice. Looking deeper, real friends stick with us through thick and thin. Things had turned bad for David, but Ittai refused to abandon his friend. Loyalty is a wonderful and godly trait. We are not to use religion to achieve our own ends. David refused to let the Ark of the Covenant come with him because it was sacred, not a good luck charm. We must always put our fate in God's hands. And wisely, David rested his case with God, saying, I am ready. Let him do with me whatever seems good to him. Even when the enemy has the upper hand, we possess a powerful weapon unavailable to him. Although Ahithophel's betrayal was devastating, David's prayer prevailed. God puts people in strategic positions to help in time of crisis. Hushai was uniquely qualified to be used of God to confound the advice given to David's enemies. When Hushai told David, bro, I've got your back, he meant it. Let's end with prayer. Help me rest in you, Lord, for I know that regardless of circumstances, you will bring me out. Like David, I rest my future with you. Amen. All right, friends, looking forward to being with you tomorrow as we read through 2 Samuel chapters 18 through 20. May the Lord bless you and keep you, and may the Holy Spirit help guide your steps.